Hi everyone, welcome to Speak Up Podcast. Atika uh, here again from Isaac in Penang. So today we're going to talk about realizing IR 4.0 through STEM education. So in today's podcast episode, is a bit special because we have Mr. Richard Chang, General Manager from STEM Organization. So hi Mr. Richard, how are you? Hi Atika, fine. Uh, good Friday morning to you. Yeah. And, uh, I, I like to thank you guys for inviting us to share a little bit about uh, what Penang STEM, actually our organization is called Penang STEM. So uh, pleased to join you folks to uh, share the, uh, our Penang STEM experience and also to, to let you guys know what we are doing on our end to, to promote STEM education to the young. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you to Mr. Richard too because um, we are really have honored to invite you in our podcast. Yeah, besides that, we also have our virtual volunteer from University Gubangsa and Malaysia, which are Aishwa Arya and Kirtana. So Aish and Kir, maybe you guys can introduce yourself first. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me for the podcast. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kir here. Thank you for having me in the podcast too. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Hi, Kir. So, yeah. Today in this podcast, um, we're going to discuss about the relationship between IR 4.0 and STEM educations. So we always heard that people talk about IR 4.0 and we call it the fourth industrial revolution. And people say that we must progress to industry 4.0 and industry 4.0 is great. So in order to understand what is IR 4.0, maybe Kirtana, uh, you can tell us like, what do you understand about industry 4.0? Hey, okay, so before moving on to Industry 4.0, let us first understand about Industrial Revolution. The first Industrial Revolution was the manufacturing and processing industry and utilization of water and steam power. Second Revolution was about electricity and mass production, followed by third, which was rise of automation and providing more efficient processes and manufacturing, which we commonly see in the most of the factories today. So Industry 4.0 is the fourth in the line of Industrial Revolution. And in simpler terms, right, industrial 4.0 means a smart industry that can operate efficiently with less human error. For an example, autonomous robots are used in manufacturing to hold and move heavy items on a production line. This helps to prevent human injury for welding and etc. The third industrial revolution already creating more efficiency in most of the industries. But industry 4.0 makes introduction of connectivity between these machines possible and this will bring us to a point where factories can run well without any human more to like a smart factory in short industry 4.0 is all about using big data and connectivity to manage automated industry with the most efficient processes and low wastage wow so yeah like what Kier said that we have um four phase and right now we are in ir 4.0 which is the um Phase where we are using the big data and of course we need technology and technology will make us um, easy like our life easy so Kir maybe you can give like example for 
to let us understand more what the example that you can give uh, as I said previously, for an example, maybe uh, autonomous robots are used in manufacturing processes like it can replace human work because humans tend to do mistakes, right? But robots don't do mistakes. So in order to rectify the mistakes, we can increase the consumption of robots so that we can create a error-free production or a smart factory, as I said before. Use, uh, usage of robots is more to Industry 4.0 less human connectivity and less errors. I understand. So basically, like you say that um, the robot will help us more in our work. Lah. And yeah, so we could see that uh, Kate already gave the definition about Industry 4.0 and in order to prepare the youth or student with some skill, the STEM education uh, start to be um, introduced in STEM uh, in education in Malaysia because it will be the new approaches to be used in education system where I think it's a good key to start to prepare the student for demand of STEM skill in today's workforce. So Aish, how would you see your STEM education will help students to be prepared in IR 4.0 workplace? All right. In my understanding, I actually believe that STEMs will help the students to prepare for the IR 4.0 workplace through technical skills, specifically coding or its context because it allows students to learn a skill that's actually hot in the market. In a sense, it also primes them to survive in a digital landscape. I think COVID has really shown us how much we have to improve to keep up with it, especially as everything has turned virtual, right? So this has shown us really how much the STEM will help the students in the future for the IR IR 4.0 workplace. Another sense that we are helping is the problem-solving skills. As STEM not only focuses on the skill, but focuses to apply it in a world context, relate to it, and solve its issues. Because the world problems and challenges of the 21st century demand ever-evolving solution for issues, right? So it consists like consists of tsunami, flood, or earthquake. So this um, this complex issue require many stakeholders, specifically the students currently. So it primes them to be the aforementioned stakeholders in the future. In the sense, it also provides them a wider opportunity in a workforce as it allows them to inherit a basic skill that is considered then. So yeah, this what like I say that the STEM education will really help and we can see that some of the um, STEM learning or STEM education that um, start to be implemented is like a coding and some of the skill really help um, in order like for ourselves, like in the future, since like we are in a technology space and of course we need technology to help us. And we could see that the STEM education is also important because uh, it will help in terms of like a disaster that happened. So it can help to reduce the risk too. And we know that um, the STEM education start to be implemented in school, even in the university too, where the school gonna have innovation week, where the student gonna create a new technology or establish a STEM club robotic club or even having Olympiad to attract more students to get involved in STEM education club. So that's mean like um, 
our school and our university also start to realize that uh, it is important to have STEM education in the school and university because we know that it can help uh, in order to prepare a, a good youth, a good um, a future career. So Kirtana, do you think that this kind of activity will help to attract students to involve more in STEM? And as a student, what kind of engagement you would like to see in terms of um, pedagogy, is me like teaching method or the activity themselves to make you interested to learn about STEM? Okay, first of all, yes, I do agree that Innovation Weeks brings out the interest about STEM education among students as they actively participate in the Robotics Club and Olympiad competitions. In terms of education, teachers can also teach students to try to incorporate science knowledge in their daily routine. For an instance, teachers can always relate our simple daily activities such as breathing, eating, driving, and etc. into science as from the fabrics we wear to the talcum powder and all we apply are interrelated with the advancement of science. So they should always remind the students that without the understanding of science, we cannot improve the quality of a living man's life. Moreover, teachers can also assign group tasks about STEM-related projects. As students do the project with their friends and not alone, they tend to enjoy it even more. So without them knowing, they might develop a little interest about their project, which involves STEM actually. This also might boost up their attraction towards STEM since they are enjoying while they are doing their assignment, not their, they are not suffering because it's not an individual task, it's a group task. Furthermore, decision-making and critical thinking skills should be taught in the classroom as they are the foundation for STEM knowledge. Without these two skills, tackling STEM knowledge would be hard. And as for the students, as they are exposed to these skills at an early stage, right, problem-solving STEM related questions might be less difficult for them which can lead them to which can lead to them being interested on learning STEM as they can handle STEM related challenging questions without any hindrance. Finally, it will be through extracurricular activities, maybe like setting up a maths and science club or a future doctors club to cultivate more of their passion, more onto STEM and also by updating the STEM curriculum time to time as students do not miss up any latest information about the 21st century. So that's all. Yeah, thank you, Kir. So Kir also like include that uh, it's not only that the school can implement like the robotic or innovation ways, but the teachers also can like um, put like a simple daily routine in their teaching method in their class so that um, the student have more exposure to STEM. It's not only like a big matter then to um, prepare a lot of things, maybe just a simple daily thing that you can find in your daily life and implement it in the teaching method so that it will be more interesting. And of course, I think that the kids or the students will feel more interested to learn more about STEM. And just like what Kir said that um, we need to implement like critical thinking and problem solving so that when they face the question in the future or like they don't feel that the question is difficult because they already, their mind already have trained about how to solve a problem. And it is a good initiative too because when you are really uh, ready um, start 
to have a critical thinking is really help when they are in the future career too because we know that when they join or they are in when they have a job of course like they need to use um, critical thinking a lot to solve the problem either in the company or they are in um, another sector so despite all this activity that school have done, we could see that the rate of students that pursuing science stream at university level is still low. So I would like to ask opinion from Aish, since like you also students, right? So do you think that what are some reasons that influence students to change their route from science stream to non-science stream? Uh, I think it's actually very interesting that students opting for STEM is at currently 18%, even though like we are always pushing for more STEM-focused careers, right? But I believe for me, the prime cause, I think it is, is desire or rather their ambition. Because high school is actually was a very confusing time, right? As they're trying to figure out what is their role in society. So most people do opt for more science-focused classes or careers as it provides them a wider options. However, when a lucky few do know where they are trying to head in the career pathway, they tend to decide on a non-career pathway, a non-science pathway, if that is what they, is their ambition. The next, I believe, will be dream versus reality because it's no secret that science pathways are more, uh, sorry, require more financial leeway to persuade compared to non-science, right? specifically to tuition fee, equipment, and schools that provide you such opportunity. So although the students might have a dream of studying a science career or pathway, sometimes the reality will not allow them to. Uh, next thing I believe is rather the barrier in places that we already have in the current society. There's a pretty clear, uh, current certain link between international intellectual aptitude and their motivational belief and careers, as well as the barriers in place. So although sometimes students might want to persuade a role, they do realize that barriers in place might affect them inherently. For example, sometimes due to gender roles, females tend to go for non-science STEM-focused career as it allows them a more wider opportunity and a more healthier workplace. That's all for me. Yeah, thank you, Aish. Like, like what Aish said, that the factor that influenced them, and she think that um, this factor also, for me, is also influenced. Like, the first thing is desire itself. Lah, because, like, some of them, even though, like, they, are, they already learn um, when Form 4 or Form 5, they are in science stream, but suddenly, uh, they will change the course, like, they change the route to non, like, art stream, because of maybe their desire itself. And the second thing is about the financial and like um, maybe like they don't have enough fee or financial support to, to, to pursue the STEM education, pursue in science stream. And it's also like what I say that very in place lab. So this is some factor that influence. And I, I want to ask you like, Previously, have you um, take the PISA? Did you have like previously you take the PISA exam or not? Ah, uh, yeah. So how it, do you think about that that exam? Is it okay or how is it? 
I think it's like pretty hard, but it was very interesting to see how as a, a country like where we placed during the PISA um, test. So it's just really eye-opening to see that how much more we have to improve in the STEM focus skills. Mm. Yeah, so we can keep up. Yeah, because uh, I during my time I didn't have PISA yet. I think like, um, but my junior said that. Is quite difficult, so I'm really curious, like how is it? So, yeah, we already heard about our volunteer opinion regarding what's their understanding about R four point zero, and the relationship between STEM education itself. And we listen from Aish too that what the factor that contribute to change their course, like change the road from science to um art or non science stream. So this is like our youth or our volunteer opinion, like what they think. So today we like we also have our um special guest, which is Mr. Richard Chang. So Mr. Richard Chang have a lot of experience in STEM initiative in Penang. So I really want to ask uh, Mr. Richard, in terms of the Penang community itself, what the current challenges that Penang is facing right now in terms of the implementation of STEM. Okay, uh, thank you, Atina. And uh, the other two speakers, I think, uh, you shared some very interesting as well as uh, very apt uh, scenarios like of the uh, STEM uh, education perspective. I think the uh, it's not only Penang that is actually uh, facing challenges. I think uh, overall, it's actually uh, I mean, the situation is actually uh, common in, in the whole country as well as many other countries, uh, especially in this part of the world, right? Uh, so basically, I think uh, you mentioned about the uh, PISA and the team score. Uh, PISA, uh, PISA basically is one of the assessment that is done every three or four years to assess our student standard in science and mathematics, right? And the other one is actually the team score, T-I-M-S, uh, which is also done on a four-year basis. So basically, this two gives us a rough assessment of uh, where the country stands in terms of our standard of uh, science and mathematics and also English. So uh, the last uh, many, I think probably the last 20 years, the numbers are not so good. Number. So for the whole country, it's coming down and down, right? That led to the uh, MOE or the KPM to actually set a target of uh, getting 60% of students in, in upper secondary school to pursue uh, science stream, right? But today, I think the situation is almost the reverse, lah, meaning that uh, more than 60% actually are opting for non-science. And you all spoke about the also, or those who actually took science and then decided to switch to other other streams. So those, that is another challenge. And if you ask me why is this so, I said, uh, don't get me wrong, I think the, the Pementrian has actually done their part to try to promote STEM education in schools. But I think uh, it is easier said than done, basically because uh, most people perceive that studying science and mathematics uh, it's difficult, uh, more, more challenging than the other subjects. Uh, rightly or wrongly, I think uh, 
that is the common feeling amongst not only students but even their parents because some, some parents will, will not want to encourage their children to go into a science stream because number one they feel that it is uh, tougher for them to score high marks right so meaning that uh, if you come from an average or, or, or just a quality family for example uh, you will want your children to score very well in SPM or even uh, STPM so that the chances of them getting the scholarship will be better, right? So if you let them pursue something like the science, uh, science stream, they fear, I mean, like I said, rightly or wrongly, fear that, um, that their children may not top score and then you won't get 10 A's, 11 A's, and then in the end, uh, you may lose out in getting considered for a scholarship, right? And then the other thing, of course, is uh, in schools, although effort is being made to make uh, STEM learning uh, more interesting, I think we are all, uh, we are all uh, sort of uh, confined to the uh, situation whereby uh, it's not cheap uh, to, to, to sort of like, you know, do a uh, practical hands-on learning. You need equipment and tools. For example, if you want to teach robotics, if you go textbook, it's the cheapest way to teach, right? But students without hands-on learning will find it very uninteresting and probably also not understand the principles as well. So that is another challenge that we feel that uh, is inherent in the school system. Well, I said not because of lack of trying, but because of challenges like funding problems. You know, uh, schools may need to get money to go and buy robotic kits and 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 even chemicals, as say for science experiments and all that. So so. So these are some of the challenges. And now, of course, with the uh, COVID pandemic, uh, that is even uh, causing a little bit more problem because uh, students go, don't go to school. And uh, it's not easy, of course, to, to teach um, practical science using uh, online. And the, the, the situation, of course, is even worse because uh, many students don't even have a laptop at home or they got to borrow from the parents or whatever. And some have problems like the uh, internet access. You know, uh, I don't know where you, you get half or halfway through uh, and during lessons and all that. So uh, many, many factors that I think need to be addressed. So we, 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 we don't uh, sort of uh, single out one single factor. But the good thing about us is, of course, uh, as you know, Penang, uh, we, we, we were actually, I think, one, if I'm not mistaken, we are the first state in the country to actually um, set up a, a STEM organization to try to uh, spearhead the effort to complement what the uh, education department or the uh, KPM to help students to, to uh, be more inspired to study science and technology. So, uh, I think in, in, in a summary, of course, there are various other issues as well that, uh, that we currently face. Uh, so what we have been trying to do, of course, is to uh, try to, to uh, play a role here to be the bridge, you know, to help to build a talents in young, young students so that uh, when, by the time they finish their education, we will have a, a bigger pool of uh, ready balance to serve the needs of the industry because, as you know, Penang is one of the top uh, industrial uh, uh, one of the top uh, 
uh, states uh, in the country as well as uh, even in this part of the world. We are, we are known as the Silicon Valley of the East. So we have many of all the uh, industries here in name them Intel, Motorola, AMD, whatever you, you, you name them, I think most of them are here in Penang. So we have to make sure that uh, they will have enough talents to, to serve their needs uh, in the years to come. Otherwise, I mean, you can have Intel here, but they can't find engineers and technicians and all that, then, then they can't then do what they want to do here. So, so um, basically, I think those are the, the main challenges that I think we currently face, uh, besides, of course, the, the, the funding part to, uh, to actually fund uh, programs that we can help to bring to schools. I said the school actually, uh, of course, uh, is, is under the, the federal authority. So what we do is we try to work with them. Uh, so far, we've been getting the good support from the Jakatan Pemilikan Negeri. So what we do is uh, we get their permission to sometimes bring programs to schools, you know, and uh, so that, uh, you see, for example, teachers, if you ask a, 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 a normal teacher uh, to go and teach robotics, he or she may have a, a bit of a challenge unless he or she is in that line up, right? But for us, we have the experts uh, who are linked to us, so we can actually bring these uh, programs and conduct them from schools to schools that will help them. But with COVID, of course, now we can't go into schools. So what we do is uh, we try to do online. Right? So online learning is not as exciting or as interesting as, you know, and then some people halfway through the session, they will sort of drift away, you know, and, and that's, these are the common challenges that we currently face at the moment. All right, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, Mr. Richard, it's like, wow, is you also mentioned about the challenge and what Penang and facing right now, like oh. what you just mentioned before, like, student change yeah cause like um and parent also not encouraged yeah i really it's part my interest too because it's really is like um some of the parents they are they are not really encouraged their students their kids to to proceed in stem because of the grade because of the grade because of the exam they want a good mark so in order to have a good mark that's the option for them like don't take this the science or math because it's a bit difficult but for me if like the student itself like they are interested to learn about science and math it won't be a big matter lah. but the problem is it might be in the factor will be like influenced by the parents itself and just like what you said that COVID-19 I think, I think if I can add on it's true because uh, parents look at the, what I call the bread and butter issue, meaning that I mean, for the average or below average income family, mm. because uh, their children virtually and are actually not important uh, concerns to them. Uh, and so, what uh, they will give priority is to make sure my, my mm. children top score in their, their exams so that they, they can apply for scholarships and all that because. Uh, it's not cheap not to, to, to fund this, you know, to tertiary education. So, uh, but that is, I mean, uh, to me, uh, a, I won't say it's a shortcut way, that is, I mean, uh, it is true, I mean, I mean, you want your children to score, I mean, as far as possible, 10 days or 11 days to, to, to 
more uh, sort of eligible for scholarship. But then you must also look at this issue of about getting employment after that, right? You want them to take up uh, courses of study that will give them way to jobs and education, right? And currently, like for example, if you take the name, uh, where are the real jobs? They're all basically in the in the MNCs, now the multinational companies in the class and in uh, and the rest. And these are the companies that are continuously hiring people up to today, even with COVID and all that. But if they were to take up some other courses and see something related with the hotel industry and all that, today many of them will not even have a job. You know, and, and don't forget that most of all the other uh, businesses that are uh, not doing too well today, eventually they will also have to switch to science and technological uh, uh, avenues to, to do their business. You see, like right now, for example, you need, if you want to uh, um, go into, let's say, a, a food business or restaurant business, now you need to, to be able to also do a uh, Online delivery, online order, and all these things to, to all the various platforms, right? I mean, like I said, uh, we all can't avoid the fact that science and technology will creep into our life uh, in some in some ways, like whatever our age group. I mean, I look at my friends and my 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 more elderly friends around me. In the past, you ask them to use mobile phone; they are not uh, keen, right? Today, with my Sujatra, you need to go and scan the code into this place and that place. Most of them now are at least now do that. <laughs> you know, uh, I remember you see that Penang, for example, we started the Penang smart parking using the uh, online access to pay for parking fees. Initially, there were also complaints from many banks, especially let's say, the elderly the, the one. Now, I'm going to do parking with a mobile phone. <laughs> But now I think more and more are learning. So in a way, I see uh, COVID as also an opportunity to, to get our our people to, to be more exposed to the need for uh, knowledge of science and technology, which has crept into our lives. And hopefully this will also help tell parents, especially the elderly ones, uh, that uh, you can't sort of uh, tell your children to Avoid going into STEM uh, learning or STEM fields because eventually all our lives are going to be different uh, science and technology. I think here, uh, one of your, your speakers here earlier mentioned one of the first uh, factories going into automation and robotics. I don't know whether you have heard there are now, of course, further down the road, there's going to be what uh, they call uh, rights out factories. I saw factories are basically factories that uses no humans uh, in the manufacturing process. That means uh, something like a, you know, if the raw material comes into the factory, uh, once it goes into the production floor, everything is done by the ship. And then they can even uh, run the operation with all the lights out because no human is inside there. So the humans are going to be involved in this type of environment. What they call the technical specialists who can repair the machine, the machine is now right. But the manufacturing process, the assembly, and everything else actually be all automated. That means once a lot of material goes into the production floor, uh, it will be all done by 
robots and then until it goes out output and then it goes into the warehouse or go to the delivery kind of the store. So I think all this apply very interesting for many. And I mentioned that of course they then have many industries. So uh, that's why we are recognized as uh, one of the world renowned center for excellence uh, in science and technology as far as industry is concerned. So we, we don't only have the electronics like Intel and the rest, we also have uh, uh, companies here, uh, international companies here doing medical devices, you know, uh, uh, solar, you know, LED, we have uh, even other industries that are not, not factories per se, are not doing manufacturing. We have, uh, I think you will know that we have quite a number of private hospitals and this this private hospital also of course used uh, science and technology to do their, their work now so if you ask uh, the people who work in the medical uh, services industry they will probably tell you uh, more and more things are all automated now. of course uh, nurses cannot be automated yet now. but one day you will see that even the nurses who come and take care of you maybe robots you know and uh, and and uh, one other area that uh, extent is uh, looking into is also to also help to groom students to actually uh, go into other areas uh, that involve science and technology. For example, one of this is the, uh, a program that we are starting uh, very soon. Um, it is a program that we source from UK to get students interested in uh, what we call the built industry. Built industry means the construction industry. But we don't get the students to learn how to lay bricks and all that. It's uh, the lower category of work. We want them to be able to learn how to be civil engineers or uh, quantity surveyors, you know, or things like environmental planners or town planning experts and all that. So these are our skills that are needed because Penang is also not just growing by having more factories because we are also growing by having more high-rise buildings, right? More uh, more commercial buildings that are going to be uh, what we call smart buildings and all that. So it's actually in the Penang, uh, 20, Penang 2030 uh, we to also look into other areas that will involve science and technology, right? So as far as the next step is concerned, uh, I just need to share with the, the audience here. Um, we have six learning centers under us, um, each one focusing on, on different areas of STEM learning. So we have uh, a center, I mean, uh, what we call a science discovery center called TechDome, which actually uh, is the place where we hope parents will bring their kids to learn the fundamentals of uh, science. So it's a place where they can go and discover science, meaning that there are many exhibits. It's like a, a science museum. So they can go there, it's in Komta. So they can go there, go and play with the exhibits, and be amazed by what is in there. And then hopefully they will, they will be inquisitive enough to ask questions, hey, what makes this, this particular exhibit work in that way? And that will inspire them. And then from there, we have another center, which is called the Penang Science Cluster. It's a, it's a space, but it's what we call a maker space, whereby mm -hmm. students who are in slightly higher primary school, then they want to learn to go and look at uh, how to assemble robots and how to, 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 to do the, what we call the maker's uh, 
projects and they want to they learn something in school and they want to put it into a project, they can go there to use the facility the projects and after that level of course we will go up to the higher level the secondary level where we have uh, another another body or another organization what we call psdc Penang's skills development center where they train future engineers and technicians or technical specialists you know, to, to, to go into industry and work we also have a organization called ACAT, which is focusing more on digital skills. Uh, at the moment, of course, they are doing some uh, restructuring, but uh, I believe that there will be some plans to also focus on digital because Penang also has set up a digital Penang uh, arm, an organization called Digital Penang to look into you know, the, the digital related issues so that we can train more students maybe to also go into the digital sphere. Because we are not looking only at the IR 4.0, we also want to make sure that our future workforce and our, our future uh, population uh, will be knowledgeable in the uh, digital economy. I say everything is digital now. You, you take money, you want to transfer money, you know, and all these things, you probably use various platforms that is all digital. So that is actually uh, the original objective of our setting up the next stand so that we can have these centers all to support the schools uh, through various uh, levels from primary, from preschool to primary to secondary. We also have a math one, one center specializing in uh, mathematics. So they will have mathematics and, and mathematics related program as they have been named the platform. I think some of you have been here before. And the last one of course is the Penang Digital Library where we actually have uh, help with uh, reference materials of our students to actually assess online to, to get uh, information about that. Okay, so that is the, uh, that are the facilities that we have set up. Uh, the Penang Digital Library, actually, we also have recently opened a new, a new uh, library in Sabarang, mm -hmm. in the one. So this is the data for the mainland population. Right? So uh, in terms of other, other other things that our organization, our group has actually embarked on is the coding on wheels program. Coding on wheels, meaning that uh, we take our programs on coding to help schools to teach students how to do the basic coding. So yeah. this one, uh, the state government actually uh, allocates a budget to one of our centers, which is uh, the main science cluster. Yeah. So they will identify which school, especially the rural ones, where we take our team there and conduct the programs for them. Right? And uh, we also have uh, another project also to help schools, uh, which is the Makers Lab project, where we find oh, that some yeah. schools are not equipped, are not well equipped. Uh, so so uh, they are not poorly equipped, so we help them to uh, I mean, add on you know, uh, the facilities, for example, they may need uh, better, uh, so for example, the basic one that they may have, they may need even uh, things like uh, Wi-Fi uh, or, or equipment to, 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 to run their, their classes. So that one is another state project that, uh, although not under Penang stamp per se, one of our centers is involved because it's directly uh, initiated by the state government. Right? So that one, uh, we have uh, sort of uh, done the first phase, which have covered more than uh, the schools in the name, and there'll be more to come, I believe, uh, once uh, 
the more particularly secure. And one other initiative that we, we actually uh, did, uh, we sort of launched in uh, 2019, end of 2019, is uh, we call it the Step Up Initiative. The Step Up Initiative is actually meant to help us to uh, connect schools or, or, or students to the industry. Meaning that uh, we actually approach companies in, in, in the industry. For example, we go to the and the past not to get companies there to help us to, to bring programs to selected schools. Mm. Right? For example, if they say, okay, I, I want to uh, help to, to get more students from this school, which is uh, in the neighborhood now, or, or which is on their, their interest, I, I want to help this school maybe in my neighborhood to better prepare their students in, in STEM learning because in future, the students will come up to be maybe our future workforce. So yeah. we ask them to come in and support. So when they support, uh, of course, they will, they will fund, they will give the funds for us to bring the programs to schools. So yeah. because of course, I mean, we, when we bring programs to school, we also incur costs as well. So what they do is they, they fund the cost, but we are non-commercial, so we, we don't make profit out of all these things. So we just connect industry to the schools. So the schools will be sort of a, better prepare their students. And at the same time, we also, of course, ask industry to offer students in schools uh, uh, other forms of uh, assistance, for example, like they can help to bring student groups to do plant visits so that they can know what the companies do, you know, for the teachers to be aware of what industry is doing today. Like I mentioned, a South Factory, you can imagine if, if, if the education institution, one day, if all the factories go lights out, all the production operators are, will be out of job, right? Yeah. Because we don't need them to go and, go and do the manufacturing process. But we will need plenty of the technical people to repair the machine, to service the machines and all these things, right? So if the education system is aware of the, the changing of all these trends, uh, then you'll find that uh, students, you take three years maybe to finish your degree program, right? But if you are not exposed to what is around the corner for industry, then the worry is by the time you finish your program, you got a degree in this or that. Tapi the skill takpelu lagi already. You don't need it anymore because... It's outdated, you know, the industry has shifted to a different platform. Yeah. So that's the danger uh, that we feel that, uh, that uh, that's why we, we feel that we, we can play our part to help the education authorities, especially the uh, education department and the, uh, the Ministry of Education to see what we can do to develop the talents for the future. Uh, because we won't want students to come out and become jobless. Or, or, or like now, of course, many many of the young people can make good money to do food delivery. Huh? <laughs> uh, but we don't want that because that is not a long-term like, career. Right? I mean, now maybe they can earn a lot of money because a lot of food to be delivered, like a lot of uh, online shopping and all that. But that is not going to be permanently uh, uh, available to them. So our next initiative will actually be looking at how we can develop TVET talents, you know TVET, right? Mm, TVET. The, the typical and vocational people. Uh, because 
I mean, let's, let's, I mean, a lot of people also assume that TVET is a low-grade work now because today, let's say, if all the factories are automated, all these TVET people will be needed in manufacturing. Yeah. I mean, uh, and this is the area that we hope to, to maybe encourage more young people to explore this option. Because if you go TVET, it's cheaper, to, it's easier to study than going to do engineering or whatever, right? It's, mm. much, it's comparatively easier and also cheaper for parents too, uh, but even then, of course, uh, the federal government has helped to give all the loans uh, to, for students. But today, I think a lot of uh, parents as well as students think that TVET is something that is not in high demand. But this is not true because TVET actually is uh, going to be the needs of the future. You know, I say we can't be employing all the foreign workers to come and do production of little work. You know. Uh, I mean, uh, in future, if we go automate more and more automated, we need technical people to be able to handle the machine rather than just go and use soldering and simple stuff. Like so we hope to be able to also do our part to help students there. Okay, does yeah. that answer your question of what we are trying to do? Yeah, I see, right. Um, Mr. Richard already answered like what um, Penang STEM organization do, the initiative that they initiate. And yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of initiative that well, I also like mm, so long, so many, <laughs> like Penang mm -hmm. Science Cluster, like they do a coding and have engagement with the school, like having engagement with the company, and like just like um the future initiative that um Mr. Richard also mentioned about TVET, it's about technical. So thank you, Mr. Richard, for your explanation about what Penang STEM initiative that they have done. So yeah, to wrap up this podcast, like I will do a bit conclusion. So today is about um, realizing IR 4.0 through STEM educations. And through our speaker, which is Kier and Aish, we already understand about what is IR 4.0 and the relationship between STEM education. And Mr. Richard also mentioned about what um, challenges that face, not only in Penang, but also in our country, and what Penang STEM organization do, uh, like to initiate the initiative, like they have like six like sub-branches, like Umbrella, which is like PSC, PMP, which is Penang Science Cluster, Penang Map Platform, and so on. So we could see that the, the STEM, um, education and the STEM itself, like STEM education is really needed right now because it's really wants, like we are, we need it not only for our country, but our for industry itself. Like we need um, student or youth that have a technical and it can help for our industry too. So yeah, that's all for our podcast for today. And I would like to thank you for Mr. Richard because joining Welcome. us and for our speakers, the rest speaker too. So that's all for today. Thank you for attending. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Shet.